Welcome to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm joined with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. Kind of stressed out. About what? About us packing for this vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. It's like whenever you go on a vacation, like it's so stressful the one to two days before you leave. And then like when you get back, there's always that feeling of, need of needing a vacation from your vacation when you get back. I normally try to take one or two days off when we get back if I if I can. Yeah. So we are going to Cancun. Yep. To the resort that we had our honeymoon at five years ago. Yep. What's really weird is that we were there right now five years ago because Facebook keeps showing me all the photos that we were posting. Yeah, I keep seeing it too. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it's like exactly five years. But we've also been in this resort another time. Yes, we did. Six months ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we're going immediately back. We're turning into one of those people. I love no, how... we're not. <laughs> the, the first time that we went to this place, we signed up for the Facebook group and then we went to another of their properties in the Dominican and we signed up for that Facebook group to get like insider tips, right? Yeah. And I think it was the Dominican one, right? Where the Canadian guy mm-hmm. was I don't remember that guy's name, but he David something. Yeah. But he kept posting about like he comes like quarterly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he lives in Toronto or something like that and he flies to the Dominican Republic something like every three or four months. No, I mean, there are people who are like, it's like cruise people who like, they just want to take a cruise for every vacation. Yeah. But a little bit better. Hopefully they're taking cruises to different places. It makes less sense to me for cruises because cruises only really go to a few places. Right. (laughs) Even if you go to like a West Coast cruise and an East Coast cruise, you're running out of places. It's like 10, 12 places that they go, you know, and they have different combinations of those 10 to 12 places. Right. So... I mean, I, I guess at least with a, like an all-inclusive, you could go to a greater variety of, of places. Except for people don't, I guess. <laughs> I guess they still book to the one place that they like most. And, and we also, okay, we now need to make a case that we are not these people. <laughs> because we no, are no, no, saying no. that we are these people right now. No, I mean, we hadn't been back to Mexico in five years. Right. Uh, and so, until this December. And this is a unique situation because it's for a friend's birthday. And they asked us to do it like the day we got back <laughs> from, from Mexico. Right. So just to, you know, back up, pandemic of 2020. We were supposed to have a really big Europe trip that year. Yep. And we were going in August. It got canceled, obviously. We were dumb to think that by December, things might be kind of normal again. So we, right as we canceled our Europe trip, we went ahead and we booked this trip because it's an easy flight to Cancun where we're at. Plus, they were running a really great special. So we then had to just kind of make a gut call in December and we decided to take that trip. It was... A great trip, except for me having a panic attack multiple times a day, because I don't think I was ready to travel yet. (laughs) Yeah, and it makes sense. That was like at one of the peaks. Luckily, at that point in time, Mexico was not in a peak. The U.S. was in a peak. Now Mm -hmm. it's kind of a little bit reversed, but we are vaccinated and everything, Mm -hmm. and they do really good testing at the resort. But when we went, it was kind of like the best place to be, because there was like not that many people on the flight, not that many people. It was a private transfer mm-hmm. and hardly anybody at the resort. Yeah, they were at 30% occupancy. For a really large resort. So, right. like, you could easily, like, the whole time we were in the pool, it was just us. And right. we had this one up pool or whatever, but, like, it was just us in that whole, like, river, lazy river type mm, right. pool system. Right. So, I mean, I felt perfectly fine being there that time. Yeah. I was um, just freaked out. It was the first thing that I had done in 
since like March and I don't think I was mentally ready, but I think I am ready this time. I hope so. Well, and <laughs> the other problem too, is that because you kind of like, uh, latch onto certain symptoms and then mm-hmm. kind of like exaggerate them until they're like yeah, cancer. Well, I'll fully admit that I'm a hypochondriac. Right. So like that was happening a lot because we were drinking the most that we've drunk in a while. Right. And I have a known alcohol allergy that I just ignore. <laughs> but then you're like, why do I feel so bad this morning? Right. <laughs> like I had like 18 shots last night. Why do I feel like this? Exactly. My head hurts. I have a stomach ache. I must have COVID. Uh, no. And then miraculously just like all hangovers that would go away and then uh it would start all over again the next day dude i have i have really tried to cover all the bases on hangovers for this trip i got like the drops you put in your drink to help get rid of the sulfates this didn't really help that much last time i've never used them before oh what's the powder that we were using that's just like a hydration powder liquid iv that was was fine i guess i just like i'm i'm ready for the hangover to happen and me to kill it yeah Yeah. Well, and I'm going to jump onto that real quick because you, like an old grandmother, (laughs) just discovered Alka-Seltzer. I literally just, like, two days ago. I mean, like, this week alone, I've seen you tell two different sets of friends about the (laughs) miracle power of Alka-Seltzer. I just didn't know. I thought it was for grandmas. I didn't know it was for people who like to drink to their movies and wake up with hangovers. I mean... The last time I saw an ad for Alka-Seltzer was like pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Like, wasn't that Alka-Seltzer? I don't know. I haven't used it until two days ago. But it was like the 1980s, like, diehard style, <laughs> diehard era, like, put tap the two tablets into your glass of water and drink it. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. I haven't used it yet, but... And then our Amazon order came today. It was three separate packages of medicine that I bought us for the trip. I never need that much medicine. It's really I just, just want, I just want to be covered. It's not that like I think I'm going to need it. It's just if I do need it, I want it available to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, after that cruise that we went on that one time. I got so sick. Yeah. The only person who had medicine they could give us that wasn't like $1,000 because the mm-hmm. cruise was like, yeah, we can give you Dramamine for $500. Yeah, literally. It was literally $100 for one pill, mm-hmm. uh, which is insane. And which I just wanted the shot to make me stop throwing up, and that was going to be $500. Yeah, that's that's stupid. Uh, but anyway, the only people who had something to give us were our dining buddies, <laughs> who like, you know, they sometimes they s- seat you at a table with other people if you're just a group of two and don't request ahead of time to be at a, you know, a table for two. Right. And so we were with this really cool couple from Wisconsin and the woman in that group that was kind of like holistic-y. And so she was like, yeah, I have some medicine you can take. But then it was, just, it was ginger tablets. Yeah. Like just pure, like Whole Foods ginger. Right. Which, I'll be honest, it didn't do anything. I just ended up taking medication that put me to sleep and that's how we got through it. <laughs> yeah. That was a rough time. That was a really hard day. I get extreme motion sickness, and that day, it just hit me hard. Yeah, luckily that didn't happen again the other time we went on the cruise. I Again, I took all the precautions. I went to the doctor before we left. I got my motion sickness patches. I got, like, four different types of pills I can take if I'm feeling nauseous. Like, Didn't we determine that the motion sickness patches are kind of like hoodoo? Like, they're not, like... I, I, I thought they have no active ingredients. I thought it was, like, one of those dumb things, like, the rings people wear. No, those have, like, actual medicine in them. Like, with insurance, I had to pay $90 for a pack of them. Uh, what's the thing that we were talking about then? We're There's... talking about the, like, the acupuncture, like, wristbands. 
Oh, okay. That people use. Which For, okay. Some people swear by them. I yeah, don't. People swear by everything. Yeah. People swear by those titanium rings or whatever that you wear when you're golfing. No, those patches definitely have medication in them because, like, you have to okay. take them off after a certain number of hours or they'll burn your skin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, enough about medicine uh, for our trips. <laughs> if you've learned one thing, I'm a hypochondriac. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make a perfect old woman. I really am. Popping her Alka-Seltzer every day. I'm telling you guys, do it right after you got done drinking. Felt like a daisy on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so for our movies tonight, we have Easy A and John Tucker Must Die. Yep. I was inspired after we watched Midnight Sun from the teen category, and I'm connecting these two movies. I mean, just genre alone, you could connect them, but Penn Bagley, the actor who is in both of them. But when I was looking into Easy A, you know who else is in Easy A that I completely forgot about? Forgot about? Um, Amanda Bynes. Yes, yeah, so I did forget about that, but that's not who I was thinking of. Okay. I Actually, so I think that Easy A was Amanda Bynes' last movie. It was. She yeah. actually said like in an interview that like she didn't want to act anymore after that movie. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't remember her acting because I don't remember her really. Yeah. Uh, I know she's in it, but I don't remember anything about it. Okay. Who I was talking about is Lisa Kudrow. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Isn't she um, like a... She's like the like school counselor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's been forever since I've watched that movie. Yeah. But it makes me think of last night we watched the Friends Reunion on HBO Max. Yeah. So speaking of being an old person, <laughs> um, boy, if you want to get some existential dread, watch the Friends Reunion and just look at how old Matt LeBlanc and Matthew Perry are, because it will do a number to your psyche, especially Matthew Perry. Like, oh, my goodness. He, he kind of seemed like a little like senile you know what i mean like I think he's the poster child for not doing drugs well and and true like <laughs> he did have like serious addictions and that's really taken a toll on his health and everything he was with it but like there were just moments where he literally seemed like a senior like in a nursing home where he was like just smiling and like looking like he didn't know where he was right he also just looks so old now and matt leblanc too i mean oh man i don't i i, I don't know because like Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox, it's clear that they have used all the things that are at their disposal, like in terms of right. plastic surgery or treatments or things like that. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow looks like she is aged beautifully naturally. Yeah, she and looks so, kind of similar. And so has like David Schwimmer. He looks like he's had Botox, but I don't think he's probably had anything else. Yeah, he kind of looks and sounds exactly like he used to. And really, I mean, Courtney Cox and, and Jennifer Aniston both look great and whatever, mm -hmm. but it it's true that they've probably used all the it's clear that courtney cox definitely has you can tell that yeah. she's had like a facelift or something right yeah with matt leblanc who plays joey he just looks like that guy that you sh shows up at your 20 year high school union and you're like yep that's exactly what i knew was gonna happen to you you're gonna get a beer gut and right gain some weight it's just like when they were showing his like glamour shots of when he was right. like <laughs> he was literally like the hunk right. of the show right. and like and he was at the time like he was an, a very attractive man when they were filming friends and then it seems like i mean yeah but matthew perry he's just lost like all skin elasticity which shouldn't have happened at his age yet he is balding on places which is fine totally for normal aging and wear um but the most egregious to me is that it's clear he's had some very cheap veneers put in. Mm -hmm. And so it was like the saggy face and then these white chiclets in his mouth that just kept showing. Yeah. <laughs> they were driving me nuts. Yeah. Um, but that part aside, so if you, 
if you can get past the depression of knowing that because we had just rewatched Friends, and yeah. so for us, you know, uh, they were still the age of Friends, right? right? And I remember seeing this on what, what channel was it on? The the reunion? No, no, no. The original Friends. I'm pretty sure NBC. NBC. I'm pretty sure. Okay, because I want to say that I kept seeing maybe it's reruns that I was seeing on a different channel. Mm. Uh, but I just remember as a kid, like it was always the previews for mm-hmm. Friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it, it's just like it really hits you sometimes. There are certain people where when you see them, another one for me is Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, like you know, if you go and watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is way longer ago, right? right. And I get that, right. but even in like the early two thousands, Tim Curry kind of looked like old time Tim Curry. And then some point hit, and I. And I know he has like health condition and whatever, mm-hmm. and he's in a wheelchair now. But he really it's just like immediate almost uh, switch. But uh, if you can be get beyond that, <laughs> uh, it was enjoyable. I didn't know what to think. I thought they were going to film an episode uh, right. reunion. That's not true. It's more like a documentary. Yeah, it's definitely a plan. So I didn't think they were going to film an episode. Sean had mentioned that as it started. And I was like, I don't think that's what they're going to do. It's just mostly them getting back together, talking about certain episodes uh, reading the scripts from key moments and then like doing like a true sit down reunion on a couch with James Gordon. Yeah. Um, it's been out for about a week now. And so I had re- like everybody, I mean the whole internet, like you give them something and they're going to bitch about it. Right. Like, yep. so like I had seen like a lot of people being like disappointed by it. And so I didn't really have any expectations going into it, but I was totally satisfied with it. I thought they did a really good job. And it, it was nice they made it a two-hour special instead of like a 30-hour-long thing. Right. And it's, it's like, if you like Friends, which, uh, you know, we're not the hugest mm-hmm. uh, Friends fans, but we liked it and we mm-hmm. watched the whole series not that long ago. Um, it is a nostalgic show and everything. But if you like Friends, then you'll really like the reunion. However, it is kind of like a tribute. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah, for sure. Th- at no point are you supposed to say anything bad about friends because the whole right. thing is about like how this had a hundred billion viewers right. like over the time of whatever. Mm-hmm. And like everything was just literally just like mucking yeah. up about like. Yeah. This was not an E! True Hollywood story by any means. No, it was <laughs> like everybody was perfectly cast. Everybody right. was the best. Right. They're all a family. Right. The, the directors are great. The producers are great. Right. All of it. So, uh, but they they also bring in a lot of celebrities. That's another thing, though, is that they go on go on that like world tour of like people mm-hmm. in, from like Ghana and South Africa and mm-hmm. India, talking about how friends changed their life. Mm-hmm. Again, a little hokey, mm-hmm. but you know it is what it is. And a lot of celebrities are obviously influenced by Friends, mm-hmm. and they come on the show too. Right. So. I kind of forgot Thomas Lennon was in Friends. I know. He, well, he just had like one episode scene. Yeah, well, as the uh, hand yeah. twin. Right. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Should we jump into our first movie? Yep. Okay. Right. So first up is Easy A as my good movie. I was getting really nervous and Rotten Tomatoes, which is like our holy grail of, of telling us, it's usually in line with how we feel about movies most of the time. Mm-hmm. It had an 85 on Rotten. So Pretty like, easy, eh? Yeah, I was scared that I, like, I was choosing a movie that people think are like, it's still a bad movie. No, I, I remember really liking it when I saw Me it. Too. And at the time, I think it had pretty good reviews. And if I remember right, this is a movie that took a long time to get made. Because I want to say that like this script just kind of sat for like a number of years. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was written well before it was made. And it was one of those things that everybody's like, this script is really good. You should make this. And it just kind of just sat there. And then right. eventually it, it got made. Right. Uh, well, this came out in 2010. And just a quick synopsis for anybody who maybe hasn't seen it yet. 
So, prompted by her popular best friend to spill details of her boring weekend, Olive, played by Emma Stone, a clean-cut teen, decides to space th- or to sp- to space things up, <laughs> to spice things up <laughs> by telling a little lie about losing her virginity. When the high school busybody, played by Amanda Bynes, overhears the conversation and spreads it all over campus, Olive is suddenly notorious, but th- but for all the wrong reasons. So, like I said, it has Emma Stone, Pim Bagley, Amanda, B- Amanda Bynes. You know who it also has? Thomas Hayden Church, who Sean and I just rewatched Spider-Man 3 mm-hmm. as just like a bad movie. We didn't record about it. Yep. And Thomas Hayden Church is a Sandman. No. He is uh, terrible casting yeah. uh, as the Sandman. But also, we didn't record that one. But if you want to go watch how bad Spider-Man 3 is worse than you remember. It is. <laughs> uh, I remember it being bad. And I remember specific scenes that I laughed out loud at, about. And I was in high school, I think. I was thinking I was a senior when that movie came out. And uh, I was laughing out loud at that point in time. And now it's worse. It's way, so way bad. worse. It's so bad. The graphics, the dialogue, the acting. Um, James Franco. Oh, my, oh my God, God. James Franco. James Franco is horrendous. Uh, I mean, Tobey Maguire is horrendous. Tobey Maguire, I don't understand how they built an entire franchise off of Tobey Maguire because he is bad. Yeah, I mean, even at the time, like emo Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like that whole 30-minute mm-hmm. stint, that was a joke. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't think the, I don't know how the movie thought about it. I don't know if the movie thought it was a joke, but for everybody who watched it, that was like a meme, right? And right. it was so dumb. And even now it's a meme. Right. But boy, like going back and watching it again, you know, we watched this with one of our friends and our friend mentioned, like, I thought this lasted for five minutes. Right. Like emo Spider-Man scene where right. he does the dance and the jazz club and all that. No, it's like 30 minutes of him acting like that. Right. It's the whole time that the symbiote is in his suit yeah, or whatever. It is, like, it's real bad. Yeah, it's. Oh, man. Well, uh, <laughs> go watch that if you want to if you want to cringe at something. Pivoting back to EZA. Yeah. So this was directed by Will Gluck, you know, and I was like, oh, what's he done? Will Gluck. Will Gluck is the director. Yeah. Huh. Um. Right now he's riding hot on his Peter Rabbit movies. I bet those made more money than you think. <laughs> Probably. He also wrote and directed Friends with Benefits, the the one that I think is. It, oh yeah, because there's two movies. Because No Strings that, Attached is the yeah, other. I think Friends with Benefits is Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. No mm-hmm. Strings Attached is Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Also weird that Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis end up married. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, sorry. Hmm. That's just a weird thing. Yeah. So knowing that the, you know, like this is supposed to be a little bit of a modern rift of um, the Scarlet Letter. Yep. You know what I was really interested in? What? Seeing what Screenet had to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want to remind our friends what ScreenIt is? Yeah, so we brought up ScreenIt, but we haven't really talked about ScreenIt yet on any of these episodes. So ScreenIt is a review site, like I said before, that's meant for kind of family values reviewing, where if you want to go watch this movie with your toddler in the room, what is going to happen, but any conceivable thing that happens, like things that you wouldn't necessarily notice. Uh, we brought it up last time, things like saying whatever, uh, being rude, Things like um, having a bad attitude, in addition to the bad language, nudity, all that type of stuff. The other best thing about it is that when they describe these things, they give explicit examples. So it's not just like bad words are used. It'll say like shit is used 17 times or it'll say like every variation of the word shit that gets used in that movie. Right. And it's like how I mean, for that to be your job. Yeah. To go and like keep tally. We looked it up. Where was it? headquartered wasn't it like new jersey or... yeah and I, I i reached out to them on instagram and they have didn't not respond. respond 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to buy screen it from them. We looked it up and it was created in like the 90s or something like that. And their website indeed looks like it was in the 90s. Yeah. I tried to look it up for John Tucker Must Die and it tried to make me pay for it. I was no, like, geez, absolutely not. not. For How much is a su- subscription to Screen It? I didn't get that far. Um, okay, but I do want to, sh- I want to share some of my favorite things that Screen It says that you need to be concerned about. Yep. Okay. First one. During a flashback... We hear a song with the lyrics, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? And don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me? Okay, don't you, by the <laughs> Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. We also hear the lyrics, I don't give a damn about my bad reputation, with several more uses of damn in that. Oh, boy. Man. Um, a song has sexually related lyrics, including, I'll be your pussycat licking your milk right now. Here's one thing. Why are they only caught up in songs right now <laughs> i think that's like where i specifically had pulled these from it's not like their stuff is super super long like yeah. we would we could do an entire podcast just reading one screen at review right and if i remember right this movie uses a lot of bad language in the dialogue well you know what i, ha- I have that here for you oh really so i like how they say at least one possible f word only one yeah hmm. 19 s words okay 14 slang terms for sex variation of do Screw, screwing, motorboat, bonk, <laughs> bonk, <laughs> <laughs> hooked up, got it on. Um, three slang terms using female genitals, uh, twat and cat, nine asses, one used with hole. Oh, like asshole. Five <laughs> the way ha- they write this is so <laughs> weird. Like the, the grammar that they use in the structure. Okay. Five hells, three dams. Now, this is probably the most egregious. Nine uses of oh my god. Two each of God and oh God. One use each of dear Lord, dear God, and Jesus. Well, that is a lot of things to latch on to, I guess. <laughs> I guess it is much more than the song lyrics. When you're reading those and they're all song lyrics, I was like, man, they're going really into the <laughs> into the weeds with the background music. But No, they had a, they I mean, they definitely had a lot of stuff. I will give it to them that, like, when they got into, like, I mean, the the content of the movie. I mean, they were kind of, like, spot on. And, like, I mean, talking about sex, yeah, your kids probably don't want to hear that. But then we get into, like, where we need to alert you that they say, oh, God, three times. Like, right, come yeah. on now. Well. So our favorite drinking site, Drink When, does have uh, some drinking rules for us. Okay. So we're going to drink anytime they say olive, slut, or a variation of slut, like whore, or something like that. Uh-huh. There's narration. Uh-huh. And Olive speaks into a webcam. Okay. Which is a lot. You know, so I looked up something about EZA the other day after you mentioned you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw a thing that said that Emma Stone, when she did the webcam stuff, she filmed it all in one day. I saw that too. So it was like 14 hours of her just like sitting, staring straight forward, doing all of the takes of the webcam stuff. Right. And like, that's, I guess that sounds intense, but like, what do you and I do every day at work? Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, but not for 14 hours. Right. But yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she had, she had breaks and stuff like that. It was like, like I think in that piece of trivia, it was like, she sometimes needed to stand up and walk, walk around. I was like, right. like every American worker in the workplace. Well, and that's like uh, when you're talking about, I can't remember what movie it was, but when they played... In the band. Uh, almost famous. Right, for almost famous. So the band, you're like, they practice for eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like, like a job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. playing is different than, yeah, kind you know. Of, yeah, I guess. Okay. I don't know. It's okay. more fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited to watch EZA. Yeah. Okay.
So we're back from watching Easy A. What did you think? I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was too. I was pleasantly surprised by how much it held up. Yeah, I remembered a lot of it. I didn't remember the full thing. Uh, I had forgotten kind of what character Amanda Bynes played. Mm-hmm. Which was like the the religious zealot of the school. Yeah, she was very similar to Mandy Moore. Yes, the exact same type of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by Mandy Moore, we mean in Saved. Yes. <laughs> we watch a lot of movies. Yep. Uh, I was so pleasantly surprised by like, it was like legitimately funny. Yeah. I forgot how great of a comedic actress that Emma Stone is. Yeah, Emma Stone has been in a number of... I mean, so I guess super bad. Mm-hmm. And then this um, Birdman to some extent. I don't know what that you would was classify. Not, that was not a funny role. That was like a very dramatic uh, role. It's it's like a dark comedy, kind of. Uh, not her role. Mm, well, anyway. Anyways. So yeah, she's played a lot of those types of roles. Yeah. But no, it was... It was really good. Completely forgot that Stanley Tucci plays her father, who I love, Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. Um, Patricia Clarkson as her mom was also great. They, all, the three of them particularly, had really great chemistry. Yeah, like every time there was a scene with the three of them, I got really excited because it was always funny. Yeah, well, and that scene just fits with your style of humor because mm-hmm. it was the like quick dialogue, like yep. where they're feeding off of each other. Which is like, I mean, the same thing that you like in everything that we watch. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Yep. Uh, It did remind me of, uh, because we were talking at the beginning, we were trying to think of what what would she had been in, and by she, I mean Emma Stone. What had Emma Stone been in prior to this? It was really just like super bad and uh, Zombieland. Uh, Yeah, Marmaduke also. Marmaduke. (laughs) Yeah, she was in Marmaduke. But it reminded me how I first came across Emma Stone, mm-hmm. which was in the year of 2004. Uh, in what regard? There was a little reality show called The Search for the Partridge Family. I have no idea what that <laughs> it is. It was on VH1. And it was like, they were going to do like, you, you, you of course know The Partridge Family, the show from mm-hmm. like the 70s. Yep. They were going to do a reboot of it and they did a reality show to find all the people to play each role. And she was on that competition and won as one of the roles. That was on a VH1? Yes. Why? I don't know, but she was. And that's the very first thing she ever did. Was that even made? The Berkshire Uh, Family Show? No, it only did a pilot and didn't go beyond that. So they had a whole show about casting people Mm -hmm. and then the show didn't even get made. That is correct. That is dumb. I don't disagree. Well, so I did see in her IMDb that she was on a couple of episodes of TV shows. So she was on Malcolm in the Middle. Uh Uh-huh. And she says she voiced the dog on Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. (laughs) Okay. There was one more thing that I I saw that I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head. But uh, movie-wise, it would seem that the first big role was super bad. And then... Yeah, for sure. Oh, she was on um, Lucky Louie. What's that? Wasn't that Louis C.K.'s first show? I have no clue. Before Louie? I have no clue. I've I've never been a Louis C.K. fan. No, I can't remember. Well, and now it's all over anyway. (laughs) (laughs) His entire career is over. Yeah. They were like critically acclaimed shows at the time. But, you know, right. it is what it is. <laughs> it is what a private masturbation is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Semi-private. Right. <laughs> what, were some, what were some of your favorite parts? So this isn't a part of it, but uh, the casting was all really good, I felt. I agree with that. And 
particularly, you know, we had talked about the casting of Sandman. Uh, yeah, Thomas Hayden Church. <laughs> yeah, and how that was so poor. Uh-huh. Now, his casting in this movie as the English teacher is great. I agree. Um, I thought that was really great. There's a lot of fi- funny dialogue throughout the whole thing. I mean, the premise is, I don't know, it's its its a its a pretty interesting take on how they did the movie. It has its own, like, style that most yeah. other movies don't have. Right. I don't know if that same movie could be made today and, like, people would call it a good movie. I don't know. I mean, I think that the jokes are funny enough. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it could be made today or not. Yeah. It's too hard to tell. I mean, I, I was just surprised by how, one... I'm not going to try to say that this was like Oscar style writing or anything like that. I think that the casting definitely held up the delivery of the writing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if anybody else could have done the role of Olive, who was a Stone's character, as well as she did it. And it'd be like as like relatable and funny as right. it is with her. Right. I mean, I do think that it's like a it's I mean, it's a very good teen romantic comedy and it's in the same vein as those other ones. And it it alludes a lot to like 16 Candles and all those other types of movies. Breakfast Club. They like reference to those movies. Right. And And I'm a huge John Hughes fan. Yeah, so, and I I think that, like, it fits into that vein for the 20 teens. Right. And it's it's so bizarre to me that that is its own decade now. It really is. (laughs) Because, you know, we're now in in the next decade. And really, like, this whole thing blows my mind anyway, because, you know, when we think about, like, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Right. right. To the, to us, those are like distinct decades. Right. But then we just talk about all the 2000s as if they're the same, but they're not the same. No, I definitely like I think of like the aughts. Like, well, and that's like uh, more in Iraq and. Right. But I think of just like culture and whatnot. Like I think that like 2000 to like 2007 were our peak aughts like culture, like mm-hmm. and film, movie style culture everything right well and the teens we just came out of the teens though like we can't really define it yet yeah i guess uh, i guess that's true but i mean i'm thinking of the early teens which fits more in with the late 2000s right i don't know it's just like some of the jokes um it's kind of like watching the hangover that's, yeah, the hangover is the exact same type of movie that is like that time period ish. Mm-hmm. But that even just a decade later, we're like, um, yeah, the hangover, you know, it's like so wildly successful. Right. All of a sudden, I think I would watch the hangover right now and just be like annoyed with it. Whereas like rewatching this, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that. Like, I really like this movie. Right. In terms of drinkability, I felt like our drinking rules were spot on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we drank all the time to a couple of those ones. Like, saying all of, all the variations of slut happens so much. Mm -hmm. Narration and webcam. I mean, that's really all you need. I did add one at the beginning because I think it's just funny. Is every time you hear Natasha Bedingfield's pocket full of sunshine, yeah, you should they, drink. They play that from kind of like the first 10, 10 or 15 minutes of the movie and right. it kind of just keeps going on. Exactly. Throughout. Yeah. So I think that would be a good rule to add. Yeah. What would you rate this one on, on a scale of zero to a hundred? Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's definitely not the best comedy I've seen. It's funny. I don't know. I Maybe like an 84. 84. I was going to say an 83. So we're right in the same vein. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. good, but. Yeah. It's I, like, I feel like if I give it higher than that, then I'm like trying to argue like it is like 
one is somebody who hates comedies. Like uh-huh. that's me. Not Sh- Sean loves comedies. I hate comedies. So like, I feel if I'm giving it like a high eighties or nineties, like I'm trying to argue, like it's like a really great comedy, which I'm not, but I really enjoyed it and really like it and would watch it again. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's just, it's not like hysterical and there are other things, you know, that I've seen that are laugh out loud funny. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know if I laughed out loud at any of the jokes, but we it was, did. it was enjoyable. We especially laughed out loud like almost any time Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson were on. Yeah, I mean, that they was funny. Ha- they but had really great lines. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. The The whole storyline is, is just a little dated, I guess. And that ties into what I was saying a second ago about how this is becoming its own distinct decade. Because it is. Is that like, you know, you have the storyline of like a gay character who's like mm-hmm. trying to pretend to be straight. Right. And that kind of kicks off this whole you know, domino of making up stories right. regarding Emma Stone's character. Uh, that whole storyline, I don't know. It's I guess that's that's changed significantly since that. And that was just, what, 2011 when this 2010, movie? 2010, yeah. 2010. So, I mean, just within a, a decade, that's changed significantly. A couple of the jokes, like the Huckleberry Finn jokes, yeah, <laughs> seem like maybe they would. Yeah, I don't think they'd land too well right now. And again, just... 10 years later. Right. But that's that's why I brought up my comment about Hangover. Because ha- Hangover, like, people literally laughed out loud at, right. at, at everybody, least at the first Hangover. Everybody thought that was, like, the funniest movie that's ever been made. Right. And then you go back and watch even the trailers and right. you're like, wow. Right. <laughs> like, so much of it is, is like... Not okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever. But... But, I mean, I mean, that's kind of hopeful in that, like, in just 10 years we can come that far in our cultural understandings. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we switch gears to our bad movie? I think so. Okay. So we have John Tucker Must Die. So I know that I'm going to make a lot of enemies with calling this my bad movie. I looked it up, though. On Rotten, it's like a 20-something. It's a 26. (laughs) That's way lower than I even thought it would be, because I remember a lot of people liking John Tucker. Right. So for anybody who maybe hasn't seen it in a while or, or have never seen it, so it came out in 2006, a quick synopsis. After discovering they are all dating the same guy, played by Jesse Metcalf, three popular students from different cliques band together for revenge, so they enlist the help of a new gal in town. Who the hell would put new gal in the summary of a movie? (laughs) In town to conspire to break the jerk's heart while destroying his reputation. Huh. So this has Jesse Metcalf, who was like riding high on his Desperate Housewives fame um, that he was in at the time. We have Sophia Bush, who... I love. She is on One Tree Hill, and I adore Sophia Bush. There are a lot of people from things I never watched. Yep. We have Brittany Snow. Uh huh. She was a, you know, Brittany Snow. Probably by look. (laughs) (laughs) She was on Pitch Perfect. Okay. American Dreams. Yeah, yeah. Uh Ashanti. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How much has Ashanti been in? I don't know, been in. I mean, her entire career was being a singer, and then she just kind of pivoted into some acting roles. Right. Well, so. I'm a little worried about this movie. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. This movie has Ashanti. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a character. Mm-hmm. And that's not why I'm worried about it. But okay. you'll see why. It is also set in the mid to late, eh, mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a love story with a lot of like, it seems like goofiness that's going to go on. I am getting hardcore get over it vibes. No. So Cisco, for instance, <laughs> was in that. Now we have Ashanti in this. No, I don't think it's anything like that. Yeah, you know what else though? Also, if you haven't seen Get Over It, watch it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's the other thing. 
when we watched Get Over It, mm-hmm. it was a Martin Short style wacky 2000s comedy. Mm-hmm. Nothing that Ashley would ever like. Yeah, everything I hate. So she went on this liberal arts rant about how really what happened was that it's just like basing so much of the movie off of a Midsummer Night's Dream, which is it's that's not uh, any reading into anything. It's directly about that. They're they're putting on a play, you know, of that play. A hip new musical version of it. Right. And so like that's not even a metaphor. It, it's like what's happening, right? But what Ashley read into this is that all of the zaniness that happens in that movie is because they go into the woods. Yep. And how when you go into the woods, crazy things happen. Yep. Okay. Now here's what I'm worried about. Because I don't remember John Tucker must die. The synopsis that you just read to me. Mm-hmm sounded a lot like a Shakespeare play. Mm. Specifically, it sounded a lot like Merry Wives of Windsor. I'm not going to pretend like I even know what that is. Uh, Merry Wives of Windsor is a play about a man who basically tries to court multiple women at once, Mm -hmm. but those women happen to find out that they have been receiving the exact same like letters and going on the same dates with him. Mm Mm-hmm. So they all get together and collaborate to get revenge on him. So is that guy's name John Tucker? Uh, no, I can't remember. I think his name was <laughs> Falstaff. Is that his name? I, I, I can't Falstaff remember. Falstaff Tucker? No. <laughs> John Falstaff Tucker. It sounded a lot like it. Yeah, I mean, that does sound a lot like it. I don't remember much from this movie either, but I don't think it's going to be a movie like Get Over It. Again, great movie. But you see all the parallels that I'm pulling here? and uh, Yeah, I, I, I see what you're doing. I don't think what you're scared of is going to happen, but I could be wrong. Speaking of of us not knowing what's happening, what's your shot in the dark for this? Um, that it's like, get over it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly. Um, boy, so I don't even know where to start. I think I have seen this movie, but not in a long time. I don't remember anything about it. The only thing I vaguely remember is, isn't there a scene where he's like wearing a thong? I do vaguely recall that. That seems get overish. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, that sounds a lot like something that would happen in that movie. We're about to see. But anyway, um, okay, so my guess, I am going to go for the get over it connection. Okay. Because I don't remember this. So if the main character, this is also going to tie into one of our other favorite movies. If the main character plays in a basketball game, because mm-hmm. they're in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, like romantic comedies like this, the the love interest is always on the basketball team, mm-hmm. not the football team. Mm-hmm. Other types of movies have football players in mm-hmm. them. But whenever you have a love interest like this, whether it be Zac Efron <laughs> or the guy in Get Over It, right. they're always on the basketball team. You're right. So if, if he plays, I'll make it even more specific. If he plays basketball or if somebody plays basketball and something really goofy happens while they're playing basketball. Okay. And I'm making that shot in the dark based on get over it mm-hmm. when he does the whole like tears his pants off. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's trying to pull his mm-hmm. uh, snap pants off and a, his mm-hmm. whole thing comes off and he's in his underwear. Mm-hmm. If that type of thing happens. Okay, I'll give it. Not that specific thing, but something really wacky right. that happens while they're Like the perfect type game. of moment that I hate in every comedy. Exactly. But yeah. And again, that that's type of scene happened and get over it. Mm-hmm. And you... At the end of it, said you loved it. You I, love you gave that I movie like I a seventy something. I didn't love that scene, but I do love that movie. Well, okay, so I'm just saying I see a lot of parallels to get over it. I think that this movie is going to be more similar than you remember to get mm-hmm. over it, 
and we'll see. Also, if I haven't made it clear, you need to watch Get Over It. <laughs> That's Kristen Nuts on it. Cisco calling Inks. It's so good. Vitamin C just pops up and starts singing songs out of nowhere. The, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, Martin Short. It's it's like oh, watching Jiminy Glick or whatever. No, stop it. Isn't that what was called Jiminy Glick? I don't know what the fuck that is. Remember when he put on that fat suit and did like... I don't know. That doesn't sound like something I would ever watch. Well, neither does Get Over It. Yes, it does. There's musicals. There's Shakespeare. There is a scene in Get Over It. Well, I already described one where he tears his pants off accent. Actually, there are two more scenes that I'm going to Sean, describe. This is not a, nope, an episode nope. about Get Over It. Yeah, but I think it's about to be. <laughs> so here's why I say this. There's one scene in Get Over It. In which they go to a strip club. They're, mm-hmm. they're in high school. They're minors. Mm-hmm. They go to a strip club where Carmen Electra, isn't that who it was? Yep. Carmen Electra is this like dominatrix style stripper mm-hmm. in like strings him up and whips him mm-hmm. and stuff. It is, I mean, that, that that is a bizarre scene. Yep. And then they even kind of allude to like these are minors at a strip club. And yeah. there's That's like a very police. Ots movie scene. Yeah, it is. Um, so there's that. Another scene that should never be in a movie that you enjoy, specifically for your taste in, in humor, mm-hmm. is the restaurant scene. I didn't like the restaurant scene, Sean. Okay, so if you're telling me that you didn't like the basketball scene and you didn't like the strip club scene and you didn't like the restaurant scene, then what scenes did you like? The musical numbers? They happened for like 10 minutes of the movie. The musical numbers? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but the Chinese restaurant scene, and again... Think of this. Ashley has a dry sense of humor. Ashley has it in a dark sense of, if, of humor, right? <laughs> so she doesn't like slapstick comedy. She Mm-mm. doesn't like physical comedy. Mm-mm. She doesn't like uh, anything that's wacky or zany Mm-mm. or that makes like dad jokes, like Mm-mm. nothing like that. And yet, I, I've already described so much of this and it's it's wacky and zany. And then you get to this Chinese restaurant scene where it goes on like a Looney Tunes... Like what's, style what's the name Rube of the Goldberg machine yeah, that's what I was trying to think of of like <laughs> you know somebody does something and then like that hits a thing and creates a domino effect and so you just see like everything like turning chaotic somebody falls and like rips a girl's shirt off and then this like little boy coughs like I think he's he like accidentally swallows his like hibachi shrimp because he <laughs> sees this girl's like uncovered breasts and then that like somebody has to like Heimlich him and then it shoots out of his mouth and it flies across the room and like it's that type of scene but musical numbers but that has no musical numbers in it no I hate that scene I don't like that scene it didn't that movie did not need that scene okay there's like a music video's worth of music numbers. Shane West being a ba- like a boy bander is so good. Hmm. I, I'm not backing down from how much I like Get Over It. Okay, well, we'll see. Okay. Since this, we're going to have to rewatch Get Over It and, and do another episode going for that one. We're going to have to, even though this is now going to be called the Get Over It episode. <laughs> I just, rate. I see a lot of connections. You don't, and I, I think I'm going to. Okay, well, since this is about John Tucker must die, let's talk about these drinking rules. Yeah. Okay, so our favorite drinking site, drinkwin.ca, does not have any rules for this. So we went to drunkenme.com. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember this movie, so I don't really... These are a lot more rules than we usually like to do. Yeah, so. slim it down. Okay. Here's here's a lesson for any, any listeners. When you do a drinking game, don't have 20 rules. It's so true. Have five at most. Have like five good rules. Right. Okay. So we're going to do the girls spy on John using any form of technology. Okay. Anyone kisses? 
Uh-huh. Anytime they say John Tucker. Okay. Oh, man. This one. We would have to drink to John Tucker anyway because it's the Maybe. title of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. You ready for this one? Is it going to be wacky? This song going to be wacky. Anyone scores a basket in basketball. I guess it depends on, on who in the context. Because <laughs> I did narrow it down. Something goofy has to happen during basketball. Right. And the last one is music is referenced in any way. I don't know what that means. Mm, it might be know. good or bad. Okay. Are you ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, no. Wait, no. what was that? You know, like the like like the um the like the basketball music, like the like, y'all <laughs> <laughs> y'all ready for this? Dun, dun, okay, dun, yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, at, dun, at first, dun, dun. so I, I do hear that now. At first, I thought you were doing. That's not that far off. <laughs> like the uh, Six Flags, the right. old man dancing. Okay. I mean, I wish I'd never done it. Like, what, I take it back. <laughs> what What you were trying to do is like the Space Jam intro music. Is that no? Is that's not the song Space Jam? No. What? Because, like that is not what they run out to. So they don't in Space Jam. They don't run out to everybody. Get up! No. It's time to slam. Well, now. that might be one part of it. That's not what they run out to though. That might be like the long intro of like them going, showing the cars, going Welcome up to the stadium to the and stuff. Okay, yeah. Anyway. Anyways, I, I, I don't know sports. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay, let's watch Sean Tucker must die. <laughs> All right. So we're back from watching John Tucker must die. It was bad <laughs> it was bad somehow it was actually a little bit less zany than get over it it's nothing like get over it i don't know why you're so convinced it's going to be get over it there it wasn't a zany movie wait what it was not a zany movie mm, there was yeah no there if there's not zaniness there's a lot of tropes and like high school oughtness but there was not it was not zany mm, yeah maybe not i don't know i mean there were a lot of overlapping type themes and Type, sure, because types of characters I mean, and high school was being told through one lens during that time. Sure. Well, basing it off of my perception of get over it, well, I did. I just I can't get over that. I can't get over that you can't get over it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> basing it off of that though, I did get my shot in the dark. Twenty-eight minutes in, we should say. Yeah, and in the most ridiculous way yeah it was, it was borderline offensive so it turns out that he's like a star basketball player which i said was gonna happen and uh, again it i did not look this up i don't know anything about this movie the only reason that i said that is because it happens in every movie so the thing yeah. is when you watch bad movies this much which we we now watch them <laughs> right. so often right what you'll learn is that the difference between a bad movie and a good movie, there are many things, obviously, the acting, the everything else. Bad movies, though, solely rely on stereotypes and tropes. Right. Like, they don't do anything original. They just rely on things that we've all seen a million times. They're probably quickly written, you know, they're kind of just like, whatever. Right. So, when I make my shots in the dark, when I did this one, it's just based on that. It's like... What would a bad movie do? And every bad movie does the same type of thing. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, before we get off of that, though, I okay. do. I want to say how <laughs> I want to say how this happened because the premise of so my shot in the dark was that they were going to play basketball, which happens all the time. But 
I narrowed it by saying they're going to play basketball and something really goofy was going to happen right. while they're playing basketball. Right. So multiple goofy things happen while they're playing basketball. That's true. The first one, though, that happens less than 30 minutes in is that they already know that John Tucker is like cheating on them, right? Right. And they're starting to get their revenge. Right. And they do that in a number of ways. And one of the ways that they do it is that they start covertly putting estrogen in his protein powder. Right. So he goes to make his like protein shake and they convince him that he also needs to drink like a whole lot of protein powder. And so he drinks this and in the course of like, I don't know what, like a, a day or a week. Wait, who knows? I don't know. But basically the premise is that if you drink None enough... None of it was scientifically accurate. <laughs> no, no, no. But the, 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 the premise is that if you drink enough estrogen... Almost immediately, you're going to have mood swings. You're going to like go through like stereotypic PMS symptoms. It was like, my boobs hurt. Do my thighs look big in these shorts? Yeah, he was also playing like a real basketball game when it happened. And he started, you know, like, are they looking at me? Right. Like he has to stop and eat a Hershey bar just in the middle of the game. Yeah. Because he needs it. There's crying and being like, look what you made me do. Yep. It was disgusting. It really was because, I mean, 2006, I mean, that's still, I mean, I mean, that's a while ago now, 15 years, right? <laughs> do you know math? <laughs> I think I know math. Do you, do you have a doctorate? No, I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> it kind of blows my mind every time I yeah, think about how long ago some of these things <laughs> 15 were. 15 years, yeah. But man, what a way. But that's not the only zany thing. Uh, there's a whole scene where they find out that wearing thongs makes them good at dunking. Yeah, you could technically take... Well, I think uh, you could take Sean's shot in the dark and do it two times if you wanted to, because there is a entire another basketball scene where they're all in thongs dunking. But I think that's more of like John Tucker's uh, manipulative ways of being able to take something bad happen to him and spin it to be cool. Yeah. It's very I now have the theory, which I probably recognized then when it came out, but this is definitely all just an incomplete ripoff of Mean Girls. Uh, like, the entire thing is a ripoff of Mean Girls of how Katie, Janice, uh, and Damien are getting back at Regina George. Yeah, I mean, in And, some like, ways. doing things to try to embarrass her, but cut the holes in her shirt <laughs> so, like, her bra's exposed, and then everybody starts wearing their... Like cuts holes in her shirt because Regina George is doing it. Yeah. And I, again, I just think that and Mean Girls is not a bad movie. It's um, a great movie. Yeah, I just it, again, it's just like when something is stereotypic or based on like a recurring scene that happens in all movies. Uh, like like a perfect example would be like if you're watching a police movie and it's like handed in your gun and your badge. Right. I don't know if that ever happens to any police officers in real right. life. But it happens to all police officers in fake movie life. Right. At one point in time. And so, if for me, this type of scene in this type of movie, if you just, if you move away from like my examples in like the police movie realm and put it into a teen movie realm, right. then they have their own stuff that's like the hand me your gun and your badge. Right. And that's what they're doing. Right. And I don't even know if it, you, if it starts with Mean Girls, right? right? So, like a good movie like Mean Girls can take those stereotypes or tropes and and things like that and kind of like pay homage to them, but then do more than them. Yeah, but I'm really sticking with my whole entire thing that this is a ripoff of Mean Girls. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, of like the whole like, 
coming to terms of what they did on a public stage, just like Katie at prom. Yeah. Then like the end being like, and he never lied to a girl again. And, like, I'm the girl who did it. My thesis for this episode is that this is a ripoff of Mean Girls. Yeah, I mean, it It probably is, honestly. But <laughs> as I said, it's also based on a play by Shakespeare. And I don't know a ton about... Uh, like, did you look up and confirm, though, that it oh, was... Oh, I haven't looked it up. No, we can look it up. I think you should definitely look that up. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I will hear it in a second. But so the only reason I know about Mary Wives of Windsor, because it's a lesser known play, it's a smaller play, is because it's for the people who know about it. It's it's basically one of Shakespeare's only like straight up goofy comedies. So like when Shakespeare wrote a comedy, and I'm using that term more like we use it now, not like Shakespearean comedy, but like right. when he wrote a comedy, it was you know, not like laugh out loud, slapstick funny. It was right? in Midsummer's Night Dream. Right. And this is the one case that I know about mm-hmm. where he literally wrote like what we would consider to be like a goofy play. Right. Of like, um, I think there's even a scene in that play where the man who's been cheating on the women has to wear women's clothing. Oh, like wears a thong and dunks basketballs? No, well, not quite. But I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost entirely certain there is a scene where he has to wear women's clothing right. like, to, to humiliate him. And the whole thing is about this man getting humiliated in various ways by the women that he was like double courting. Right. Again, I, I mean, that's just like, it's really close in storyline. I, I don't know. I'll look it up here in a second. Right. Um, a couple things, too. So, one, Jenny McCarthy plays Brittany Snow's mom. I am positive that there is less than 15 years age age difference there. So, that felt weird. I don't know how old Jenny McCarthy is. but I don't know. But I don't think she's old enough to have, like, a 17-year-old daughter. I also don't think I've ever seen her in a movie until now. I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm just not watching the type of movies maybe. that Jenny McCarthy's in. I mean, probably not. She definitely did more, way more TV than anything. There is... So, one, I want to... S- I want to say that this is an enjoyable bad movie. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I do want to call out my one problem that I have with the entire movie as a whole. And what is that? So, you know, the entire premise revolves around this guy who is just dating multiple girls behind their backs and, like, getting it where he can. Like, it with no, not apologetic at all. Like, doesn't see anything wrong with what he's doing. So then these women decide to scheme and try to make him fall in love with a girl and break his heart. And there's this underlying notion throughout the entire movie that gets brought up a lot of, like, you should feel bad that you're trying to hurt him. Yeah. And, like, that really comes into play of, like, oh, man, he got hurt. But, like, it's just really weird to take – you take somebody who is hurting dozens of people by the minute, and then the moral of the story is you shouldn't hurt him. The one person who's hurting everyone. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just falls into a lot of 2000s era. We already talked about how like they portray women and like women being hysterical and like just being inherently emotional and and moody and everything else. But I guess like seeing that and like and, and realizing how much like that undercurrent was bothering me. I was like, no wonder. I had the ideas of how men should treat me when I was dating. Cause this was around the time, like when I was in high school mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it's just like, obviously like there's so much discourse about this. Like this is not anything new or nuanced, but it's weird going back and watching movies like this and seeing that 
and being like, yeah, that was what was normalized for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even EZA uh, showed a little bit of the same yeah. type of culture. And that's from what, five years later, six, four years later? Two years later? No. No. Wait. This is 2006. Six. You're right. Six and 10. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Well, and 10 minus six equals mm, four. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, uh, but back to what I was saying is just like, you have all of those 2000s-ish things going on. And I think that's just another one where, you know, it's just like, so there is a genre of movie and story in which women get revenge on a man. Mm -hmm. And the way that story was told was different in the past than it is today. Can you think of a more recent story of women taking revenge on men? I mean, there's a ton of... Uh, new movies about female revenge. So, for instance, uh, the movie that we watched that you loved with um, Bo Burnham and... Oh, Promising Young Woman. Yeah, Promising Young Woman is that all is about a, getting revenge on men. That's an excellent example. Yes, I accept it. And, but that type of story is much different now right. than it was when we told that in the 2000s. You're right. You're completely right. Right? Because in the 2000s, when that story got told, it was more like about i don't even, i don't i don't even know cuz i don't think it was told from like a female perspective i think mm -hmm. it was more like women got treated badly and then because they're so emotional and over the top they like go mm -hmm. on like a rampage right and they're just overreacting yeah and I, I i mean i'm just trying to think of a like if charlie's angels was about getting revenge on a man like how would they write it right and mm -hmm. that's how they would write it is that they're like so emotional that they have to like go right. and like right it's not calculating right or planful it's not right anything like that it's right. just like no I, I totally feel what you're saying i just think that that type of story it's been around forever but i think that, that type of story how we tell it is different in the early 2000s in before than it is now right in the late teens and, and now 20s I, I i feel that as far as acting how do you feel it went in this movie i don't know like because I can say horribly. <laughs> yeah, like, the main actress wasn't that bad. Brittany Snow. Yeah, she wasn't that bad. Ashanti was pretty bad. Yeah, but it was because they were trying to make her into this, like, hair-flipping, like, right. literally right. wagging her butt as she walks down exactly. the hallway, like, cheerleader. But <laughs> it, it was exaggerated intentionally. Right. Um, I don't I, That was pretty bad. I don't even know the other two actresses' names. Um, oh, I can tell you Sophia Bush and Arielle Kibble. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know what else they're in. You said one was in One Tree Hill. Sophia Bush. Uh-huh. So sad that I'm even explaining this to you. Arielle Kibble, like, she shows up in, like, a lot of things around that time, but is rarely ever, like, the leading person in anything. Yeah, I mean, I, if I can't think of anything that I've seen her in. Yeah. I mean, I recognize some of the people, but Pin Bagley or Badgley, mm -hmm. however you say his name. Right. He uh, is not in it as much as I thought he was going to be, especially because right. that was your connection. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good connection. He's definitely like the side love interest for Brittany, Sp Brittany Snow's character. I f am fully committed to the idea that they are trying to make him the next Heath Ledger. Uh, well, and so at that point in time, he would have already had a number of roles, right? Where he was kind of supposed to be like the, the teen heartthrob. Uh, Heath Ledger or Penn Bagley? No, Penn. No, I mean, really, this is, I think this is either at the same time or predates Gossip Girl starting. And Gossip Girl is really the only thing that put him on the map. Oh, because that's what I was thinking. I thought in and Gossip was, Girl. That and was... in Gossip Girl, he's kind of like the weirdo. Oh, uh, okay. So he wasn't a... No. Huh. 
Well, I mean, EZA, he's supposed to be, like, the cool-ish. Uh, I mean, he's, like, the woodchuck. Like, I don't think, like, he's necessarily cool. I think he's just a person. Yeah, I guess. I don't think they're trying to make him a heartthrob. Hmm. Definitely not making him a... I can't remember his character's name in you. A creep. But <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Joe, that's his name in, in you. Yeah, um, I mean, so they're not trying to make him a heartthrob, but clearly he was because that was the whole issue of like women on the internet being like, wow, Joe's right, like, but like that's the perfect like, That's partner. like 17 years after yeah. like <laughs> that ever happening. And like, sure, like, and I think his like, his fame from Gossip Girl made him more of a heartthrob status, but like that was not the role he's being cast in traditionally. Yeah. But like, it felt like everything about him, I mean, one from seeing he's like there's like the scene that you like you see him first he's like in like the library like with his headphones on singing uh uh, cheap trick Mm -hmm. want you to want me which is obviously a song that's played throughout 10 things i hate about you and he just he gives off such Heath Ledger vibes from 10 things i hate about you and like night's tale the hair too yeah so i was just like it to me it felt like like hollywood was like ooh, we have our new Heath Ledger, and it just didn't go according to plan yeah drinkability uh i mean it was good to drink too um i think we drank more to easy a but i think all the rules worked <laughs> we drank more to the easy a rules and john tucker must die oh that's true than the rules that we uh had set forth so like there's strong narration uh they use the word slut all the time i'm definitely drinking to john tucker is like the biggest one right um, kissing is probably one that you could probably do. One of the rules we said was like, anytime music is referenced in any way, that's not, there's like two scenes that kind of like reference music, but there is a very strong soundtrack that made Sean and I feel really old that we're like, Oh boy. Well, especially cause <laughs> when you watch this, it almost has that graininess right. of nineties of mm-hmm. movies. So it's like watching 10 things I hate about you, which that's, is that 1998? Sometime between 98 and 2000. Okay. Uh, but that had that slightly grainy feel to it, right? That those '80s and '90s movies get. This almost felt like like it had a little bit of that going right. on, and yet in the background, the music is music that we were listening to. I mean, at that time, so you get All American Rejects, Modest Mouse, right? Uh, well, a cover of Modest Mouse, yeah, true. So even older <laughs> because it had enough time to get a cover, and then. Uh, yeah, so it felt, it was, like, songs that, like, I, I don't even remember who, the Click Five is what I want to say, who sang that song, Just the Girl I'm Looking For. I have no idea. But it, it was songs that were very pop- popular at the time, and, like, that was definitely, like, the soundtrack to our high school experience. So, I mean, it was fitting, but also it felt a little weird and dated, especially seeing whenever, like, the, like, the pictures on his crisp. I was watching a movie today. Right. And I mean, it felt real weird. I guess that's how our parents felt, right? I Seeing guess. some of these and then hearing things. That I don't know. Heard. Everything that we watch lately is giving Sean an ex- existential crisis. And I like don't know how to relate because it's not doing the same thing for me. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird. It's weird to see these things that, you know, we're in like we were in high school for. And now it's like 20 years ago. <laughs> right. I mean, not not quite, but almost. All right. So, I don't know. It's it's a bit, been a little rough, but on a scale of one to hundred, what are you rating this? Uh, I'm gonna give this like a twenty-five. That's exactly where I'm at. Really? Yeah. I mean, 
it was an enjoyable bad movie like mm-hmm. could watch it again like i enjoyed watching it like was not unbearable by any means i enjoyed drinking to it but in terms of like a storyline acting and execution it was a bad movie yeah and there isn't like a lot of redeeming qualities to it and and that's one issue because some of our bad movies like if they're like hysterically funny like not on purpose right that makes it better exactly and that was not the case here no you know i I laughed at a couple of parts it's really not like that funny um easy a was funnier by far i completely agree and then i mean the drinking rules definitely work it's definitely a good Mm -hmm. drinking night movie yeah i I agree but most of the ones we choose are good drinking night movies it is not enjoyably bad in the way that midnight sun was enjoyably bad that's true but i think this pairing is a perfect movie night pairing yeah I, I think that does make sense. And it's uh, both movies are not that long. Yeah. Which is the other good thing. Yeah. Especially when you have people who pause as much as we do. That's true. <laughs> well. Okay. So we're about to go on vacation. Yes. Which means we're going to miss a movie night. We are. So if we're talking about a pattern, typically we would do your choice, my choice, and then a joint choice. And then, or we're now even going to open it up to listeners' choices. But since we are going to have such a lag, I think that we decided that we're just going to go forward with you doing your choice next. Is that right? Yeah. So the movies that I chose for this week, since Mm -hmm. we're going straight to uh, my pick and kind of skipping our joint pick, is something that I've been wanting to watch for a while, but I couldn't think of a pairing for it. So the good movie... Uh, I'm going on a limb here because I haven't seen it. Neither, neither of us have seen this. Have either of us seen either of the pairing? No. Okay. No. But for the good movie, I wanted to choose something where, because I haven't seen it, if it's not as good as reviews make it seem, I still wanted it to be potentially enjoyable. And so my good movie is Color Out of Space. Oh, so, of Nick Cage, right? Yeah. So I mentioned this when it came out because... It, it got kind of really good critic reviews. Mm-hmm. The trailer doesn't look that good, but the reviews are really good. The Rotten score is pretty high. It's like an H.P. Lovecraft mm-hmm. short story, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think the short story is called Color Out of Space. Okay. It's kind of like sci-fi, fantasy-ish, but Nick Cage is in it. And anything that Nick Cage has been in so far has been a winner on movie nights. Right. Uh, because he's so over the top. Mm-hmm. So he makes most of our movies enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Again, it has good reviews on Rotten, but we'll see how, how it is. Uh, I don't know much about it other than, you know, a little bit of the backstory. So going into the bad movie, mm-hmm. it's one that I've been wanting to watch since it came out and we keep not watching it. It was even on streaming mm-hmm. multiple times that we could have <laughs> watched it. The bad movie is going to be Underwater. Oh, God. So, Underwater, if for anybody who doesn't remember, is the Kristen Stewart movie where they are in a research lab in the Mariana Trench. I believe it's the Mariana Trench. So, they're really, really, really deep. Like, the deepest that humans have been in the water or whatever. Mm-hmm. And something catastrophic happens and they have to leave one part of their research lab and get to another part. Mm-hmm. And while they do that trek across, like, the bottom of the ocean floor, they run into, like, some subnautical monsters <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. So... Uh, there are a couple, there's an actor connection, I'll talk about it next time, that can pair them. But what I'm actually pairing is much more thematic than that. Mm-hmm. Which you love to do. 
which I do love to do. So, and this is going to be a little bit of a deep dive like Ashley does. So <laughs> Color Out of Space, like I said, is an H.P. Lovecraft short story. So what I read about Underwater is that it is also kind of influenced by Lovecraftian mythology. Hmm. So the weird, I mean, I, I can't even remember what they look like now. They're like kind of gray with sharp teeth or something like that. The monsters that they run into that we see in the trailer, those things are based on kind of some sort of Lovecraftian mythology. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anything else about the story. So it could be that there is some also larger thing lurking out there. And those mm -hmm. are just like the minion type things. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how far it gets into mm -hmm. that type of Lovecraftian stuff. Like if there's like some elder god that lives on the ocean floor or something. Right. I have no idea. The synopsis does not say. But that's enough of a connection for me. I'm into it. This is a movie that has Kristen Stewart and it has TJ Miller in it. Yep. Which, if memory serves correct, this movie was filmed and had to be delayed in its release because the time it was supposed to be released, TJ Miller was going through his mental breakdown yep. that essentially canceled uh, TJ Miller. Yeah, it's uh, around the same time that he was kicked off of Silicon Valley. Yep. And there's a deluge of things that he did, but the one that comes to mind most prominently is faking a bomb threat from a woman who was wearing a hijab on like a subway yeah uh bizarre bizarre things that tj miller did yeah it's not good well and i i don't know this is a serious role too so i don't even know why they would cast him in this I'm movie i'm positive he's gonna serve some type of comic relief it did not seem like a very comedic movie in the trailers but i don't think it's a comedic movie i think he is there to provide comedic relief yeah, maybe. I guess we'll we'll see. That can be your shot in the dark. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we are going to finish packing, and next time we sit down and watch a movie, we'll be back from vacation. Yeah. Okay. Okay.